If you were turning your Bibles to the 13th chapter of Matthew. One thing I want to look at before we get started in the 13th chapter is something we have not gotten into before, and that is the things that led up to the first parable. There are some things that led up to this, and we're going to talk about when the day begins. Now, we've told you before about the context of things. Context is important. And you can go back with, with Jesus and find out when something started and when something ended. And so if you go back here, you go back to chapter 12 in verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. Now, at that time, does that mean that day? Probably, probably not, but it, it, it's somewhere around that time. It might be that week. It might be that month. We don't know. So we don't know if the stuff behind was on the same time or not. But we have this one. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the what? So we know what day of the week this is, right? This is Saturday. And his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. So they're walking on. Now, it doesn't say Jesus got hungry. It only says the disciples got hungry. And I'm not going to read the rest of the story here to you, but the Pharisees got upset. And they uh, started talking to Jesus about his disciples. Now, up till now, they've tried to attack Jesus and they haven't really gotten anywhere. He's uh, answered everything that they've, they've done. So now they're going after the disciples. They're not just like enemies. They can't get you. You know, if you can't get Jack Bauer, who do you get? You get his daughter. <laughs> you, get, you get people that are close to him or, or stuff like that. So you got to get, you know, if you, get, you can't get the guy that you want, then you get people around him. And so that's what we're trying to do, all you 24 fans that are out there. I'm way behind on 24. I'm, no, can't talk to me about 24. I'm, I'm, I'm several days or several hours behind, I should say. <laughs> so anyway, this is um, this they go on about the grain and about so forth. Uh, verse nine. Now, when he had departed from there, he went into their synagogue, probably. On the same day, except we find out that the dis- dis- dispute is about healing on the Sabbath. So we are on the Sabbath. same day. We're still on Saturday, the Sabbath, the same day. Verse 15, but when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. Now he withdrew from there and great multitudes, we're still on the healing issue and we're still on the Sabbath. So we had this bit of thing of healing the person in the Sabbath in the synagogue and then he leaves there and goes out in the field. They all follow him. Pharisees, they all go out and they plan about how how to destroy him. Jesus knew it. He withdrew from there and great multitudes followed him and he healed them all. We go on down to um, verse 22. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute. And he healed him so that the blind and mute Man both spoke and saw. We have not heard that a day has changed. And it just, nothing, you know, sometimes the next day. Or when he had entered into and he, just something, you know, there's a change there. We haven't really come into a change yet. So I can't say absolutely for certain we're still on the, the same time. But it sure seems to be that way. And he talks about a house divided cannot stand. Go jump on down to verse 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answering saying, Teacher, we want a sign from you. That doesn't seem like anything changed there. Coming out of the... Uh, he started teaching a tree is known by its fruit. The unpardonable sin and so forth. All from this house cannot 
cannot stand, and he's in this discourse with the Pharisees. And so the, some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, well, if they answered, then more than likely you're still in the same time. And this is where they asked for the, the sign. And he says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. He's not too happy about them asking for a sign. Verse 46, while he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Well, it doesn't seem like anything could change there. He's still talking to them. And one of them said to, to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. And he goes on, you know, who is my mother, who are my brothers, and, and um, so forth. Uh, let me come over to verse 1 of chapter 13. On the same day. <laughs> On the same day. So it doesn't seem like anything has changed. More than likely, we are still on the same day. He's still teaching, which is a common thing to do on a, on a Sabbath. It is possible that when he withdrew from there, that maybe a, a day changed. That's about the only spot I could see that possibly a day may have changed. Other than that, it doesn't seem to have been. And it's possible that even there it had not. But anyway, these are the events that led up to this. And so we see that the Pharisees are hassling his disciples. The Pharisees are continuing to hassle him. They're questioning his authority. They're questioning you know, how he cast out devils and, and whether he should heal on the Sabbath and all these different things. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea and great multitudes were gathered to, together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. Now, up till now, he has not done any of this. And he, most of his parables are reserved for about the last uh, nine to six months of his ministry. Most of the other time, he, he taught it just straight up and taught them. And uh, most of the parables are confined to this period of time, at least in the last year of his ministry. And great multitudes were gathered together in verse 3. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth. And they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But, the, but others fell on good ground. And yielded a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now understand, that is the teaching. For him who has ears to hear, let him hear. And, and Jesus expected him to get it and stopped. Because later on the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? So there's now a separation between the disciples and Jesus and them. They're there. We're here. So the teaching ended. He may have taught other things that were not written. We certainly know that Jesus did a lot of things that were not written. But this is the basic part of the teaching and He does not explain this any better. Otherwise, the disciples are not coming asking Him. If He would have explained it, then the disciples would never have, have come and say, why do you do this? Why do you teach them this way? But He's teaching around it. Now, if you were in Jesus' day and this is what came to you, a sower sowed some seed and some came on this ground and some fell on that ground and some fell on this ground and some fell on that ground. And this one did that, and this one did that, and this one did that. And then that was it. How many of you feel gypped? <laughs> Wait a minute. We came all the way out here to hear somebody speak. You were supposed to be some great teacher. What was that? That's a story. <laughs> now, 
They may have been a little disappointed. How many of you would be a little disappointed that that's all you got? And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. I knew it. Jesus has favorites. I just knew it. Well, the disciples had an interest in it. They wanted to hear what was going on. They wanted to, to pursue. And this really is, is showing us the difference in this parable. This parable, as far as the sowing is concerned, is really about sowing is, is hearing. The parable describes four groups of people who hear. There are four groups of people who hear. Understand all hear, just as all parts of the soil received seed. In the same way, all heard. He is not describing people who have not heard. He is only talking about people who have heard. So he is describing the groups of people that have come to hear him, who have come to receive ministry from him, who have come to the meetings, who have come to the synagogues and places where he's at. He is the sower at this point. He is sowing the seed. But he's only talking about the soil that the sower has come in contact with. He's not talking about people anywhere else. There is an interaction between the sower and the soil. Where the sower does not go, we are not speaking of. We're not going to define those grounds. But what he tells us is, is when the word is spoken, when the word is heard, when people listen to the word, you can tell what kind of soil they are. But they have to hear the word. When people hear the word, then you can find out. We cannot make judgments about how people will hear the word before we speak it. We do have to make sure that we don't do that. Sometimes we look and say, well, I'd love to tell them about Jesus, but they're not going to take it. I'd love to you know, minister healing to that person, speak healing to that They're not going to take it. No, that's not. I'd love to give that person some wisdom from the word. They're not going to listen. You can't do that. You cannot prejudge the soil. The sower's responsibility is to expose the soil. So Jesus has basically been going around exposing soil. He has thrown seed. Some of it has landed upon the Pharisees. Some of it has landed upon the, the general population. Some of it has landed upon those who became His disciples. And they all did different things with it. What they did with the seed, what they did with the Word determine what kind of soil they were. So what, what does he say? It has been given to you to what? It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. What, has, what distinction has been made? The type of soil they are. The disciples have shown themselves to be of a soil that will produce the Pharisees have shown themselves to be in one class of soil. The general multitude have shown themselves to be in another class of soil. But the disciples have shown themselves to be in a different class. And so he says, to you has been given. Why has it been given? Because they produced. Because they received the seed. Because the seed would grow in their soil. Why would you take the knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom and so that very special seed 
into soil that was no good. So this is what Jesus is saying. I've been ministering out here for a little while. I've been sowing seed. I've been checking that soil. And you know what? You guys are the ones who are going to receive the mysteries of the kingdom. You're going to have that knowledge. He's determined through all this ministry that these are the ones. And so when they come to Him, He says, you can come to me and ask me anything you want. I'll tell you, I'll tell you it all. But for them, it hasn't been given to them. Because they didn't deal with what seed they were given. They hadn't shown themselves to be, be dealing with that. So let's go over the four different kinds of soil that he gets into. This is, again, different ways that people heard. Different things they did with it. We left off in verse 11. For, whatever, for whoever has, to him more will be given. Now that goes against us. You know, we talked about God being fair. God isn't fair. And by that, I don't, don't ever mean God isn't just. He is a just God. But He's not looking for even distribution. He is looking for those that are good soil, they're going to get more. Those that are bad soil, well, we'll keep chucking a little bit in there. Some of the junk seed, maybe you know, some of the seed is not as valuable. We'll throw that over there. But the mysteries of the kingdom, I'm not throwing that into that kind of soil. That's, that's valuable seed. I don't know what they'll do with it, but it won't be good not going to give them that. They're not going to know this stuff. We're going to teach around them. But you guys, I'm going to explain every bit of it to you. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. I understand this is one of the reasons I get against the government types that have the attitude that everything should be evenly distributed. It is anti-God attitude. It is an anti-God attitude. Don't ever adopt that. As much as people want to try and preach to you that, well, you know, you've got to take care of the, of the poor. And if we just put more money into the poor, you know, we'll help them out. We will not. We have, how much money have we sowed into the poor over these decades? And you know what we still have? And we have just as many poor, don't we? Have we changed anything with the poor? We haven't. We've just taken money from those folks who had money and given it to people who don't. And now we've got people that are sitting at home, not working, expecting the government to send them a check every Expect you to go to work so that they can sit at home. Is that right? Is that God? It's not God. But, you know, we feel like it's our social responsibility and, and, and this is not God. God is not about being fair in this. He's about rewarding those who are diligent. He's about rewarding those who are faithful. Isn't that always in the Word of God? Those who are faithful, those who are diligent, get rewarded with more. So be in that side that has diligence. Be in that side that's faithful. And God will bless you. Will He bless you more than someone else? Yes. <laughs> if you're more faithful, more diligent, and are operating the wisdom, obey His commands, He will. Absolutely. But if you disobey, what about Moses? Disobeyed one time. What happened? Ooh. Wasn't good. Was that fair? I mean, we look at that and we say, that wasn't fair. It was one time. One time he missed. Look at them other guys. <laughs> we say that's not fair. But much had been given to Moses and much was required. That's why not everybody will want to have much because much will be required. But that's God's attitude. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand it. Don't misappropriate it. doesn't mean that you just, well, you're poor. It's because you have a wrong attitude and I'm not going to give anything to you. That's not right either. 
you know, we, we want to try and help them out. In the meantime, while you're trying to help them out, keep them alive. <laughs> Get out there and help them. But, uh, you know, keep them wanting to do something. You know, if you get out there and get yourself a job, things will be better. Therefore, I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. That is key. Seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy Isaiah, Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing you will see, and shall not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Who closed them? They, they closed them. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn, so that I should heal them. I tell you, you can you can adapt an attitude. If, how many of you know folks who have been just for years and years and years been supported by the government and don't make any effort anymore to even find a job or do anything? No effort at all. And you try and talk to them about the, how much better it is to get out there and work. How, how far will you get with that? Oh no. Oh no. This. Yeah, you know, it's almost like I deserve this check. For what? What did you do? What's the Bible say about not working? Don't eat. You don't work, you don't eat. You know what motivates people to go to work? They want to eat. You want to pay for the roof that's over your head. You want to pay for stuff. You want to have responsibility for yourself. These folks have no responsibility for themselves and they have to be taught, be responsible. Learn to stand on your own two feet. I understand people get themselves in some bad situations, but it's, it's a whole lot easier for those folks to accept something from the government who's just uh, this impersonal entity out there and they can get this thing that I deserve it. If they ever you know, were helped out by their family and adopted that attitude, what would their family do? <laughs> I mean, just think about this. If you had somebody, a relative, living in your house and they all of a sudden decided, you owe this to me. And they have their feet up and you come home from work and they got their feet up. Did you make anything for dinner? No, I was waiting for you to get home and do that. What you been doing all day? Oh, just watching TV. Oh, you should have seen this show I seen this afternoon. Never saw that show before. Oh, wow, that was a fun show. Oh, yeah, that was that was good. And I went out for a little walk and, and I talked to my friends. And oh, by the way, I had a long distance phone call to Hawaii. They <laughs> start spending, and then uh, they expect this from you. What would you do? Gone. Out of here. See ya. Don't even want to help. You don't even want to offer what you can offer. No, you're out of here. But you see, you don't get that with an impersonal entity such as uh, governments and things like that. So that's why it's it's easier. Promotes the laziness. As a family member, you would say, you know what? You got a week. Get yourself a job. Get on out there. Get working. Do something. But they adopt the lazy mentalities. Hmm. It's a shame. Because I tell you what, they have great potential. It's been a while since so I just remember this story. I love this. is one of my favorite stories in the entire world. I love this story. I haven't told it probably in a lot of years, but I'm, maybe you've been around here for a while, heard me tell it before. When I first got into time management, I listened to a set of tapes. The tapes, there were about 12 to 15 tapes on time management. Wonderful set. But this guy opened up with a story of this woman 
who uh, heard about this professor who was coming, she was in England, heard about this professor who was coming to town. This was months down the road, six months, seven months down the road. She found out he was coming somewhat close by, not in her town, but close enough that she could get there. And she didn't have much of a job. She'd sit there and peel potatoes all day long, just peel potatoes. She earned a little bit, had very little extra money. But she decided to put a little bit away and she's going to make it out, buy a train ticket, head out where this guy was at and get in on the meeting and listen to this guy speak. And sure enough, she did it. She saved up a little bit each day, each week, put it aside, saved up for the train ticket, bought the train ticket, headed on out, sat there and listened to this guy. It was, one, it was everything she had expected it to be. Just a wonderful time. This man just was sharing all these things, all his life experiences, all the things. And, and she just sat there in a chair after it was over as the crowd was clearing out. Many of them were going up and talking to this professor. And she just waited and waited and waited until the crowd thinned and he was still up there talking with people, but one by one they were leaving. And finally at the end, he was still there and she got some time to go up and talk to her, talk to him herself. And she said, it must be wonderful to have all of life opportunities that you've had. And the professor, he had a German accent and the person who told the story did the German accent. I am not going to attempt the German accent, but you can pretend to listen and hear a German accent. I may have a German last name, but I got no German accent in me at all. It's all gone. So he says to her, he says, uh, uh, well, where do you work? He said, oh, I just peel potatoes all day. That's all I do. It's just, just every day it's the same. I just peel potatoes. He says, he says, you do? He says, well, when you're peeling potatoes, he said, what are your feet resting on? And he said, well, you know, it's a, it's a brick step. And I just sit on the brick step and, and I um, peel, uh, peel potatoes. And so he said to this lady, he says, I want you to go on home and I want you to write me a letter about the brick. Anybody remember hearing me tell this story? Early now? Oh, all right. I want you to write me a letter about the brick. So she went on home and you know, she didn't really take him too seriously about this thing. Yeah, right. About bricks? I mean, come on. But after you know, a while she came on home, she told some of her friends about it and how good it was and she told about this conversation. They said, well, what are you going to do about this? He said, well, I don't know. I mean, it's... I'm not a real good writer. Yeah, but he asked you to do it. I, you know, a week, two weeks went by. Finally, she said, all right, I'm going to do it. And so, you know, she worked long hours. It was not an eight-hour day. It was a long day peeling potatoes. And at the end of the day, she went out and, and went over to the library. She pulled out some books on bricks and she began reading about bricks. She found out there was all kinds of bricks. There wasn't just one type of brick. There was all kinds of bricks. Some brick are made from this material. Some are made from this material. Some are baked. Some are done. And there's all different kinds of ways to, to uh, cure the brick and uh, different ways to uh, strengthen the brick and different reasons for using this brick. And she finally compiled all that and put it in the letter and sent it off to this professor. I mean, weeks went by. I think it was actually a couple of months. And she got a letter back from the professor. And the professor had inside the letter a copy of her article. It had been edited. He had sent it to someone and had it edited. And he said, I had your article, your, your letter published in an article in a magazine. Here are the royalties from it. And it wasn't much. It was just a little bit. And it had at the end of the letter, it had a P.S. P.S. What is under the brick. 
Oh, now she is excited. She is thrilled. She couldn't wait to get done that day peeling potatoes because as soon as she was done peeling potatoes, she was off to the library to find out because she had pulled out the bricks. And underneath the bricks, you know what she found? Ants. She found some ants underneath there. So she's off to the library. She's, she is looking up about ants. She's finding out all kinds of things about ants. She's found out that there are some ants that are real little tiny ones and some of them that are real, they're the size of a man's hand. You could hold it in your hand, but you wouldn't want to hold it there because if you did, it's a man-eating ant. <laughs> Just ants of all sizes and some that are dangerous and some that are poisonous and some that are harmless and all the functions and things. And she began to compile all this stuff that she found out about the ants. And it wasn't just a letter. It was a whole lot of pages. She ended up publishing it into a book and became one of the foremost authorities in the world on ants and toured all over the world talking about ants. (laughs) This person concluded this story simply by saying, this woman did not have an opportunity problem. She had a time management issue. Up till then, she had never appropriated her time and used it wisely. It has been years since I've even heard that story, but that story burned inside of me. I love that story. That's a good story. I do not know what the woman's name was. I bet it was on the tape there somewhere that I heard (laughs) who she was, but oh, that was was something else. She could have have gone on the rest of her life peeling potatoes and just merrily making by. And instead, she's traveling across the world getting all kinds of money from royalty fees, speaking fees, and such, just because she changed what she did with her time. That is a true story. Yes, that is a true story. Like I said, the the woman does have a name. I just don't know what it is. (laughs) There's a whole lot of folks that have adapted a mentality that keeps them in a soil that does not hear. That keeps them in a soil that says, someone owes me and that's why I'm, and I'm going to live like this the rest of my life. That is not the way we need to be. We need to get out of that mentality. Because if we do, we will never get into what he said here at the end. That some produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. You'll never get into that. You'll always be the poor soil. But he says, but blessed are your eyes, for they see. And your ears, for they hear. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you heard, what you hear, and did not hear it. They desired it. Folks, a desire will not get this for you. But they were appointed for this. They were in the right time. They were in the right place. And they were ready to hear. And they were ready to receive. Then he goes on. Therefore, in other words, on the basis of all that, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of God or the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. So this is the first type of soil that we see. This first is the, we put an eye label as this way, stolen It's along the wayside. The Word was sown in the heart of this person, wasn't it? The Word was sown into this person. They've received seed. But it was by the wayside and the 
What happened to it? How did it get stolen? In the parable? The wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. The wicked one comes. So it's the wicked one who, who stole it. In the parable it was who? The birds. That's why you always hear me say birds are bad. And you hear people repeat this all the time because this is where it comes from, from the parables. Birds in parables are bad. Birds are always bad. Birds in parables are never, ever good. That's real important to understand for the rest of it. Jesus is always consistent in all His parables. Whatever is bad is bad. Whatever is good is good. And He never mixes them up. Leaven is bad. We know leaven is bad. Birds are consistently in the, in the parables as being bad. And we'll get into them as the, the time goes on. You'll remember some of those things that, that went out. But here, the birds came and they snatched up what they could see because it was just, it wasn't really, it hadn't meshed with the soil yet. It was just on top and it just, it, by the wayside, it, it was tougher soil, it was rockier, whatever it was that was there. It just, it wasn't able to connect. And the birds were able to come on by and, you know, birds love seed. The devil loves stealing the word. Loves stealing the word. He's looking for word that he can steal. But the only word that he stole out of all that the, that the sower sowed was this seed. Why? Because the soil reacted in a way to the other seed that, he couldn't, that the birds could not get to it. This is the soil that he can get at. This is he who received seed by the wayside. So they're by the wayside. They received the seed. But, ha. Uh, nope. Nothing, nothing comes. No, no production comes from this, does it? There's nothing that is produced. It is unproductive soil. There are two kinds of soil in the Word of God. There are two kinds of soil in this parable. Truly. And we're going to just wrap it down to two. There is the soil that produces and the soil that does not produce. This first one is the soil that does not produce. He who hears the Word... When, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown. So on the wayside, the, the seed just couldn't mesh. It just kind of stayed on the top. And those who don't understand it, it can be stolen from. How many times have you ever heard somebody say something from the world? Well, I just don't understand that. Did they hear the word? But they go out saying what? I just don't understand that. So when they say, I just don't understand it, what is generally the thing that people who say this, I, I mean, there's many people who come out and don't understand something, but the people who come out and say, I don't understand that, what do they generally go home and do? Nothing. They put it away, don't they? I, I don't think on it. I, but a, a person who doesn't understand it and but doesn't have that mentality, what do they usually do? I'm going to meditate on this. I'm going to get that. I'm going to figure out what that was. There's not understanding there, but I'm not letting go of this thing. I'm latching hold. I'm going to figure this thing out. You know, it's much like, you know, if you have something in your house that needs to be repaired and you go out to the Home Depot and you pick up the thing that you need and you bring it on home and you open the instructions, how many of you can say, I don't understand this. <laughs> you know, I don't understand. <laughs> but you need it and that your need for that sometimes overcomes 
the ability, I don't understand. And so what do you do? You, you stay with it a little longer. Mm-hmm. Ah, i got to figure this. There's got to be a way. And you read over it again. And you read over it again. And you read over it again. And you, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm getting a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. So you read over it again. And you read over it again. And you read over it again. <laughs> until you get it. Now we figure out how to do it. Now, if you say, well, I don't do you know, home repairs, I, don't, I call somebody for that. All right, fine. You don't do home repairs? That's all, all good. How many have ever used hair coloring? Don't raise your hand. As you can tell, I do not use hair coloring. <laughs> My hair is whatever color it is, and that's just the way it is. But I know people who use hair coloring. Now, if I were to bring hair coloring home from the store and just decide, you know what, I'm going to color my hair. I'm just going to, I like brown hair better, I'm just going to color it brown. Or I like, uh, I don't know, black hair or red hair or whatever color colors. Because you can get all kinds of shades in between, you know. And, and, uh, and dude, I know if you, I know that much about hair coloring. I've walked down the aisle where the hair coloring is and I have looked and there are a lot of boxes. There's not just four different colors. It's not like red, brown, black, and blonde. And <laughs> there's a lot of colors out there. So you can go out there and you can kind of pick your shade and you can get it on home. And if you get it on home, you know, it isn't just a thing that you just open it up and, and put it on, is it? No, there's some instructions to it. And each brand, I have a feeling about this anyway, that each brand, the instructions are a little bit different. And that they're not quite all the same. And you have to get in there and, and figure out, how do I apply this? Because if you apply hair coloring wrong, what can happen? <laughs> oh, you all know that one, huh? <laughs> I've seen some people walking down the street and I think they did not read the instructions. <laughs> you know, yeah, pink, come on. <laughs> Purple, really? <laughs> oh, man. I'm not, not, not sure why people would ever want to do that, but Dennis Rodman, what in the world does he want to do all that? Remember when he was going there in the NBA and he came out with all different kinds of hair orange and red, and I don't know what other colors he did, but boy, he was colorful. <laughs> he, he had all kinds of colors he'd put in there and he'd come out with. But you have to read the instructions. You have to, how do I do that? You can't just open the box and just start pouring stuff in. <laughs> it isn't going to work. And so you have to read over the instructions. If you don't get it the first time, what do you do? Well, let's just give it a shot. No, you go back through and you read it again. Because you want to get the understanding of the thing, right? And it's the same thing with the Word of God. Whether it's a gadget, whether it's a thing you've got to fix in the house or whether it's uh, something for your hair, or whatever it might be, you got to read the instructions. you got to get a hold of, how am I supposed to apply this? What am I supposed to do? Because if I apply it right, if I understand how to apply it, it'll work. And I'll get the thing that I want. But if I apply it wrong, I'm not going to get the thing that I want. is isn't going to be right. This first group of people are just like the people who open the box of the hair coloring and just threw stuff together and come out with who knows what. And I think when it comes to hair coloring, don't you feel the worst for blonde people? I think that's... I don't know if this is true or not, but I would just think that blonde hair shows up every mistake a whole lot more so than some of the other colors. But I might be wrong with that. It might be that hair coloring can do the same damage to whatever, brown, black, red, I don't know. But that's just my thought that, you know, it's kind of like a clean slate. It's just there's nothing, there's no color there. Not, I didn't say there was nothing there. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> now, we all love our blonde jokes. 
I always say, I tell people, I, I can tell them because my hair actually, most people don't all know this, my hair is actually blonde. I'm very blonde. In fact, if I stay out with her for a couple times, I had jobs in the summer, and um, my hair was as blonde as anyone you've ever seen, especially if it gets a lot of sun. Generally, it's not as blonde then, but if I'm in the sun, it is blonde, really blonde. So I have the right, every right to pick on blonde people because I'm uh, numbered among them. <laughs> but most times, it's, I guess they just call it a dirty blonde that I, I have, and anymore, you can't even tell that. But this is what these folks do. They don't understand. They don't work with it. They don't stay with it. They don't try and get hold of the, of the matter. And so it can be stolen. If you receive word and word has come to you, I don't understand it. And you go off and you let it go with that. You have put yourself in this category, not in the category where the disciples are. And things will not be explained to you. Things will not be given to you. God's not going to bless you with more knowledge of the mysteries of the kingdom. They aren't coming to you. Because if you don't understand it, ah, I don't understand it. That's the first soil. But he who received the seed in the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. You ever seen those people? You come out of church, come out of a special meeting, they're all excited. Oh, did you hear what he said? Did you understand what she was getting at? Oh, did you hear that? Oh, this is good. Oh, I'm going to go home right away. I, this is what I was missing. I knew there was something that I was missing. This is it. This is what I was missing. And they're all excited. I mean, this is everything. And they go on home and you find them two days later. How's that going? What? What, what are you talking about? Well, you remember uh, last week we were in the meeting? Oh, that. Oh. I don't know. They immediately received it. They're excited. They are excited people. They're stony soil. Doesn't mean that just because you received it with joy and you're excited that you're stony soil. Please don't get that. There are some people, not like me, who when they hear something really exciting, show it. Me, I hear something really exciting. That was good. Now my wife always will sit there and we listen to something on the TV and somebody will say something and it's, oh, did you hear that? Uh-huh. Hey, that was good. That's me excited. <laughs> but understand, I'm that way with pretty much everything. I told you before, my son, when he was little, fell asleep on me during an Eagles game. And he could do that any Sunday. On any given Sunday, he could totally fall asleep on me. You know, he's a little baby. Fall asleep on me, I'm, me watching an Eagles game. And I'm excited about the Eagles game. They're fun games to watch. It's all right. That was good. He scored. All right. Boy, that was a good run. I like that. That's just the way I am. Many people better than you have tried to change that and have failed. Don't bother. <laughs> I'm very content with me that way and I'm okay with you being excited. All right? So we're just, we're just good that way. <laughs> he received the seed in the stony places. This is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. In other words, these people were in the meeting. They heard the truth. This is what you need to do. Oh, that's what I'm missing. That's what I'm missing. And they put it to work for a day, for two days, for three days, for four days. And then the same problem comes up. That wasn't it. I thought I had the missing ingredient. I thought that was it. No, that's not it. 
They have no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word will bring this stuff. And the devil sees that you grabbed hold of a principle and he says, ah, tribulation, persecution, we got to squash that word. And with those people, it squashes it. It's gone. I thought that would work. It didn't. I had the same problem today I had yesterday. Obviously, it's not it. And they let it go. They're stony soil. They are not producing anything. Sure, the word got in there and had a chance to, to grow, but didn't get very far. You know, seedlings do not produce fruit. So immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. He becomes unfruitful. So in other words, the, the seed is growing in their life. But so are thorns. They're not taking out the thorns. They're not dealing with the thorns. They're just letting everything kind of grow together and eventually the thorns overtake the good seed. They choke it out. Because as I'm prospering, as, as I'm applying the Word, things are getting good in my life. Then all of a sudden I get distracted by the things that are going good in my life and I go after the things that are good. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the Word. We become unfruitful. But you see someone who's produ producing, they're not going to let the, this stuff choke it. They're going to be, be careful with it. They're going to watch over it. But they are unproducing soil. It may become, they may have become unproductive in a different way than the other two did, but they're still unproductive. All three of these soils are unproductive for different reasons, but the end result is they're unproductive. It don't matter what it is. I mean, it's just like if you went out and bought a new car because your old car was broken. And you got the new car home and uh, suddenly it won't drive anymore. And the reason is something in the fuel line. Well, then you go and you take it back and you get some, another car and you get it home and you find out it's not running either. Something in the electrical system. It doesn't matter that one was the electrical system, one was the fuel line. The end result is it didn't work. What you need is a car that works, right? You want a car, when you get out there, you turn it on, it comes on. That's what you want. I don't care why it didn't work. All I care about is, it didn't work. That's all I care about. They're unproductive. Don't matter why they're unproductive. All that matters is, it's unproductive. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, when indeed, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some 60, and some 30. So when we get into this one, they receive the Word. He receives seed on the good ground to see who hears the Word and understands it. Does he speak about whether he received it with joy? Receiving it with joy is not important, is it? You can receive it with joy. You may not receive it with joy. Don't be deceived just because someone is joyful about the word they heard that they're good soil. You can be any way that you want. You can be like me or you can be like someone else and receive it another way. But the part of the, the thing that matters is, and this is all that it brings up, he receives seed on the good ground as he who hears the word and understands it. The difference is the understanding. This is it. Now, I didn't fill this part of it out here for you, but the word emphasizes doing what we hear, not just hearing. We've got to be doing what we hear. 
And we'll get into some reports of that here in just a little bit. I have a verse for that one. But when we have a lack of understanding that keeps us from doing. If I don't understand it, am I going to do it? Would I? No. There's a weakness in the doing. It yields a weakness in the doing. And so we give up. If you truly understand something, you will do it. Now we'll show you some scriptures here that talk about the doing more so than this does. But if a person truly understands a thing, don't they do it? If you truly understand that your car works better with a fresh oil change every 3,000 miles, if you truly understood that, wouldn't you do it? If you truly understood that you could get upwards of 200,000 miles out of your car with no engine troubles to speak of, truly understood it, would you not, every time that thing dinged 3,000 miles, would you not get it to the service station as fast as you could? Why is it that we don't always do that? Because I know that is how, what they say, but I don't understand it to be so. If I understood it to be so, it would change me. It would change something about how I would do that. But we, we, don't, we don't do that. If you truly understood that a full gas tank in the wintertime is better than a half-empty one, from the moisture standpoint, would you always fill up your gas tank? But if you just think it's a good idea, well, I'm busy right now. <laughs> then, see, our understanding is, is huge in this. How many of you came to an understanding that you spend less money in the month if your checking account has money to cover all your checks? You ever had come into that understanding? That the, the bank puts some fees when you bounce that, that check? First, first time you bounce that check? <laughs> And they charge you this fee. And then the place you wrote the check to, they charge you this fee. And then once you bounce that check, then all the other ones after that bounce, 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 bounce. And, you know, if you bounce four or five in a, in a row, do you not now have a full grip, a total understanding of the importance of making sure that the money is in the account? Boy, do we not. Is there a difference between having the teacher in school or the parents tell you, make sure you have enough money in the account? Is there not a difference between that point in your life and the point after which you paid the fee for the bounce check? Because I think we've all paid some fees for some bounce checks at one point or another, didn't we? Oh, man. And we get full understanding. That's the difference. When I understand it, I do it. When I understand, oh, I've got to make sure. I can't write that check until I make sure I, I put this, this check in the bank first. I've got to make sure. Because I understand Understanding produces doing. If we under, if we have understanding, otherwise there's a weakness in that area of our life. Now Luke eight thirteen talked about the star people, the people in the stony ground. This way, who believed for a while, in time of temptation, fell away. There was some belief there for a little while. I believed this for a time, but as soon as something came up that I wasn't expecting, as soon as a different result came that I didn't think should happen. I fall away from it. As soon as Aunt Susie dies, I'm not so sure that Jesus is my healer anymore. Right? You talk to people that have gone that way? I'm not fully understanding that. I understand it to a degree, but I haven't pressed in on it. And so it can be starved, it can be stolen, 
it can be choked. Those are our three things. First one was stolen. Second one was starved. And the third one was choked. They get choked out among the thorns. Mark 4.19 rephrased it this way. I think I put this one in your outline, the whole thing, didn't I? No, I didn't. I probably cut it out. I, it actually reads this way. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. It becomes unfruitful. In other words, the word was fruitful, but became unfruitful. But they're still listed amongst the soils that didn't produce anything, aren't they? This tells us that there's uh, three enemies to growth of the word here. The cares of this world, and Matthew talks more about that. The cares of this world are a problem. The deceitfulness of riches, they're a problem. And the desire for other things. Those are our three problems. As far as the cares of this world goes, cares means to be drawn in a different direction and to be distracted. Now compare this to a person with vision and purpose. A person with vision and purpose, this is my vision, this is my purpose. How many of you have ever driven with a driver on a long distance trip who had vision and purpose? <laughs> I know where we're going. I know how we are getting there. And I know we are getting there fast. And you come up with distractions. I need to stop at the bathroom. Can we stop and stretch our legs? Can I get something to drink? We're hungry. Can I get something to eat? You know, we just stopped six hours ago. <laughs> you get stuff like that, right? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to stop up here and get something filled up in the, in the gas. If they have a bathroom, use it. <laughs> we have vision. We have purpose. You've never driven with someone like that, right? We have vision. We have purpose. They are not going to be distracted. They are one mind. And our mind is we will get there and we will get there fast. Enjoyment along the way is not an issue. All we need, we need to conquer this thing. We need to get out there and we need to take this. Vision and purpose. Deceitfulness of riches. Desire for the things. These are the enemies of, of the growth of the Word on the inside of us. We have to make sure that we guard against those things coming in. But then we have the fruitful soil. Good ground. The, the only one described as understanding the Word. That is so important. It is the only ground described as understanding the Word. Understanding is very, very important. If you do not get understanding, you will not keep what you have. And that uh, Brother Creflo Dollar's big thing? And he says, in all you're getting, get understanding. Oh, it's big. That's right from the Word of God. And all you're getting, get understanding. That's a good thing to be rephrased, saying to people over and over. He does. He says that to people over and over. And I love when he says that over and over. Because people got to understand, get understanding. Don't be content to not understand the thing. Understand it. How many of you all know that Brother Creflo Dollar has understanding about how financial principles work in someone's life? <laughs> he does, doesn't it? It's working pretty good for him. Yeah, that's all right. Get understanding on it. Don't pick on him because he's got understanding. You don't. Get the understanding he's got. True understanding will produce fruit. True understanding will produce fruit. That's what it does. There is a merging between the soil and the seed in this final example that never occurs in the first three. That merging is done because of understanding. 
We must gain the understanding. Proverbs 4, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Read it again. My son, give attention to my words. You may not understand them at first, but give attention to them. Keep them in the forefront of your mind. Give attention to them. This is what was said. It said that, and you keep going over. You keep giving attention to it. I'm not letting it fall by the wayside. I'm giving attention to it. Incline your ear to my sayings. In other words, you have ears to hear. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in front. Write them down. Put them in front of your eyes. I'm always looking at it. I don't, I don't get this yet. I'm going to get it. I am going to get it. I'm going to have understanding on this. Birds, you're not able to come in here and steal this stuff. I'm going to get this. This is going to be mine. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Understanding comes from hearing. Hearing the Word. They all had to hear the Word. That was the first part of it. It comes from hearing. It comes from speaking. I go out there and I speak the Word, don't I? When I hear it, I keep going out there. This is what God's doing for me. This is what God said. I speak it. I am attending to that Word. I am giving attention to it. And I am doing that Word. If I truly have understanding of anything in the Word of God, I am doing it. If I truly have understanding that oil saves my car, I am changing it. If I truly understand that maintenance on my car keeps it around longer, I am maintaining it. I'm not just repairing it. Because I understand. When you understand a thing, it helps, doesn't it? We had one of those big snowfalls. I think the, the real big one that came in the, the day and just snowed all day long. And... Um, uh, you know, we were about there, I think I told you, we were out there five different times battling that snow. Five. I got out there early in the morning. Christian got out two other times. We both got out there on one time and, and hit it uh, together. And then nine o'clock at night came. You know what it is at nine o'clock at night? It's dark. It's cold. And it's still snowing. And I decided I'm going to go out there and hit the snow. You know why? Because I have an understanding that the temperature at nighttime was going to go down. And if the temperature goes down, the snow hardens. I have that full understanding because I've been through that before. So that full understanding <laughs> drove me at 9 o'clock at night to get out there and shovel snow until 9.45 and clear, clear everything off that I could because I didn't want to deal with in the morning it all frozen solid. I had understanding of that. Understanding produces action. If I understand a thing, I am going to act on it. If I understand a thing to be important, I am going to act on it. If I understand that working on an outlet, if I understand it, that working on an outlet that I have not shut off the power to <laughs> is not real smart. But if I don't understand it, I may try it. <laughs> but understanding produces action, doesn't it? That's where we have to get ourselves to. Here's the final part he talks about. He says 30, 60, and 100 fold. It wasn't too long ago that we covered this. 
on a Sunday morning, but I'm just going to give some review to you here. And if you want to, you can go back. It was only about four years ago we did this. That's not long. <laughs> it's only about four years ago. We went over the 30, 60, 100 fold. They got your old tapes. They got your old outlines. You can pull this stuff out. What are the factors that influence the seed's return? Is it just sow and see what happens? No, there was, there were thing, these were things that are under my control. The stuff that is in this parable, these are things that are under my control. There is nothing in this parable that is being done to me. These are things that are under my control. The birds come and eat the seed because of what I did not do. I did not understand the word. It's under my control. Nothing happens to me because it's supposed to. The things that happen to me, I cause. 30, 60, 100 fold is something that's under my control. The only, pro the only one producing is the good ground. The sower is the one giving the word. The seed is the word. The ground is me. Isn't that right? I'm not the seed and I'm not the sower, so I am the, I am the ground. I'm the one receiving the word. So the fruit bearing is done by the ground, not the seed. Isn't that the way it is? It's the ground that produces the fruit, not the seed. The seed's the same. The seed is the word. It's the seed, when it is in good ground, becomes fruitful. He never brings attention to, well, the certain good seeds fell over here. It's the seed. It's always the seed. The only differentiation is made in the ground. It's the ground that causes the production, which is me. Well, there's, in order to get that place, there's obedience to the Word. I've got to be obedient to the Word. The first level of good ground. Understand, there are two types of ground in this story. Bad ground and producing ground. Unproductive ground, produ productive ground. Ground that you harvest from, ground that you don't harvest from. That's it. But the first level of good ground, what's the first level of good ground? 30-fold. It doesn't he say some produces 100, some produces 60, some produces 30. The first level is 30. Because 30 is under 60 and 60 is under 100. So the first level of good ground is when I hear and understand the Word and act on it. Right? What's the second level? When I hear and understand and act on it. What's the hundred ground? Hundredfold. When I hear and understand and act on it. Isn't it? I guess so. Now understand, you don't qualify to be good ground at all if you don't hear it. You don't qualify to be good ground at all if you don't understand it. You don't qualify to be good ground at all if you don't act on it. That's just, that's just to qualify you to be good ground. 30, 60, or 100. Hear it, understand it, and act on it. Anything less puts me in one of the other types of soil for which there is no return. So does obedience without understanding qualify as good ground? No. If I obey but I don't understand why, I am not good ground. I'm obedient, but I'm not necessarily good ground. And generally what's going to happen when persecutions arise? I'm out of there. All right, first level. Is when I hear, understand, and act on it. That's the first level. That's also the second level. But the second level has to have something more to it that moves it from a 30 into a 60, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Has to have something on it. And this we I labeled it. 
this way, wisdom from the Word. First we have obedience from the Word. I obey it. I act on it. But here we have, there's wisdom. Isn't there wisdom to be gained from the Word? Are there not some people in the body of Christ who have wisdom and some people who do not? There are those who just hear the Word. There are those who hear and understand the Word. Then there are those who gain wisdom from it. They have understanding of the Word, but it's not just understanding. I have gained wisdom from this understanding. Wisdom from this understanding. I want you to understand this about things. You know, when I, when I grew up, people in my family, we didn't buy new cars. We bought old used cars. And then I got this, this brainiac idea one day, I'm going to buy a new car. My second car I ever owned was brand spanking new. Ordered from the factory. It was a Ford, of course. <laughs> But it was brand spanking new. It was brand new. Because I had come to an understanding of a thing that if you treat a car right in the first 10,000 miles, it will change the life of that automobile. That's what I came under the understanding of. And I, I, I heard that from other people. But I didn't just hear. I, I gained an understanding and I acted on it. And I gained some wisdom from it. I said, I'm not going to get another car that somebody else beat up in the first 10,000 miles and didn't treat right. I'm going to get one that I treat right in the first 10,000 miles. And it's going to last as long as I want it to. And so I got this brand new car. Had it for only four years. Nothing broke on that car except for one thing. The fan broke in the wintertime. I waited for a couple of months because I didn't need it in the wintertime. And uh, fixed it. Nothing else ever broke on that car. Nothing. One repair, four years. I treated it right in the first. And I would have kept it. I was all ready to buy it. But when I wanted to buy it, you heard the story before. I walked on in. And I was ready to sign the papers on. I walked by. What is that? Because I'd always said if Ford ever came out with a front-wheel drive sports car, I'll buy it. Walked right on by it. What is that? Oh, that's new. It just came out. It's called a Ford Probe. Can I drive that? Yes, sir. We went out for a drive. No one else ever owned that car. It was the second, second Probe that CNC Ford ever got on their lot. Number two. It was an early release car. And I bought that car. And I treated that car right. This is now my second brand new car. I treated that car right. I had that car for 16 years. 16 years. It was paid off in five. I had that car free and clear for 11 years. And the only reason I traded in then was just, uh, you know, the, the, the body just was wearing out. It was just <laughs> mostly. I was going to need a, a, lot of, a lot of stuff of that. But the transmission was good. The handling on it was good. It was just, mm, still wish they made that car. I'd go out and get another one. Loved that car. And, uh, and we got a, a, a Ford truck. Had that car for, had that one, I think, um, 11, 12 years, something like that. And, uh, you know, it worked for us, too. I, I took that and made wisdom out of it. And I, so I had, I had vehicles clear, paid for, for years. No car payment. Years. Not just, you know, cleared it for a year, and then that was Years. No car payment. 10, 10, 11 years on the probe. No car payment. How would you like to have that? No car payment. Glory to God. Right now I got car payment. I got car payment right now. I got a big car payment. But when I get done that one, <laughs> glory to God. God still is not here. But I came into that wisdom. But I put it to work. But I, I, I didn't just hear and get understanding. I put it to work. I did something with it. And you get a return. You get a return on that. I know people who would buy used cars and as soon as that one was done, their payments were still 
still paying their payments and had to get rid of the car. And then they get the new car, paying for the old. I just, you know, mushroomed. It was bad. They look at me. My car's done. Pay for it. So that's wisdom. Is that not more of a reward than just obeying? To gain wisdom and to make a wise decision out of it. There is wisdom that you will gain from the Word of God. When you act on the wisdom that you get from the Word of God that comes from understanding, but this is a deeper understanding, this is an actual, this is what it means. This is how you apply it. This is how you get it done. Now I know how to apply that understanding. I gain wisdom from it. Here's the third level. Hundredfold. Special words. When God gives you special words, you have been meditating on the Word of God. You have gained wisdom out of the Word of God and all of a sudden God speaks to you some things. Now you get a special word. You know what? You get some good reward out of that. I put it this way for the wisdom. There are those who understand the stock market, aren't there? There are those who understand it and who make wise trades based on that understanding. Do they not produce more than other people? Than just those who obey and say, well, play the, get in the stock market. No. People who gain wisdom from their understanding of the stock market and do research, they gain more. But there's another level beside that. What if you had special information? Inside trading. They call it inside trading, but not if you get it from God. <laughs> it is not inside trading if you get it from God. If God just says, go out there and buy that stock. Yes, sir. He has spoken a special word to me. Am I not producing more than the one who's operating on the wisdom level? And then God says, get rid of that stock now. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, I will do that. You know, there's, uh, you use this with horse racing. If not on horse racing, probably most of you don't either, but we've, we've seen it. You've got a horse that's in the race. If you do some special study and make a bet based on your understand you get of all those horses, is that not a better bet than just somebody who just picks, I don't know, one, two, three, four, which horse we get? Ah, let's take this one. But what if you had inside information? What if you knew that the seven horses were going to win in the third race? What if you knew that? Would you not be doing better? <laughs> Would you not be producing hundredfold? <laughs> oh boy, that's good. Well, we're not saying that God's going to give you special wisdom or special words on horse races or on the stock market. Just giving you, just give, you know, he might, he might do that. That's all fine. I've heard people that God has given them wisdom on in, in business things and such things like that, but that's all right. Just if, if God gives you special, a special word, he's doing that because you've shown yourself to be able to handle it. You've shown yourself diligent. You've shown yourself faithful to 30, he's going to move you into the 60. You've shown yourself faithful to 60, he's going to move you into the 100. If I speak this word, they're going to do it. They're going to act on it. So let's speak this word to this one. And that's where, it's, that's, that's, that's where we can go for the 30, 60, 100 fold. Don't just obey. Obey with wisdom. And then don't just obey with wisdom. Listen for that, that special word. You've got to have a relationship that comes with God and understanding of His voice when He says, Jim, put all your money on this. Yes, sir. We all want the hundredfold, but we don't necessarily want the relationship that goes along with it. The work for the relationship that goes along with it. And there's work in that. Boy, if we had time, we'd go on through and probably when we did it before, we went through and did that and looked at some examples of some people who, um, who were the hundredfold, who were the sixteen, who were the thirty. You can, you can check all those things out. But thirty, sixty, one hundredfold, parable of the sower, all starts right here. We get into more stuff as, uh, 
as time goes on. But we've got to be hearing, speaking, attending, and doing the Word. The understanding is on you. It is not on God. I've said this in, in the prayers that we pray over this. I say this on a regular basis because I do not want you to understand this. There is nothing written in this Word of God that you cannot understand. There is nothing written in this Word that you, you, not just general people, you specifically cannot understand. And if you ever let the words come out of your mouth when you're reading something, I just can't get it. You will not. And you will lose that. There is nothing that you cannot understand. And it's not because you're so great. It's because our God is so good. And He has not revealed something in His Word that He does not want you to have a handle on. He wants you to have a handle on the whole thing. Glory to God. He's a good God. Thank the Lord for that. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You that there is nothing that You do not desire we have understanding on. It depends on us. What kind of soil are we going to be? And it all comes down to not just hearing the Word, but understanding the Word that we heard. Once we get an understanding of it, we don't lose it. Help us to move into that area where we understand the Word and it becomes second nature to us. We're always doing it. We speak it. We think it. This Word has become part of us. Father, we thank You for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.